With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are live. I'm just making sure I have my audio, and I do. We're actually going to put this out as an audio podcast today as well. Got a lot to talk about. Not really a lot, I guess. We have enough to talk about. The big thing, though, and the first game I want to talk about is that Hofstra-UMass game last night. It was a rematch. UMass beat Hofstra. I'm pretty sure it was 16-10 to in that first matchup, and Hofstra got themselves some revenge in a hell of a game. Talk a little bit about Syracuse and Albany. More importantly, I want to talk about Cuse losing and dropping that Utah game. Utah canceled their final uh, game, Syracuse's final game at the Dome due to budget issues. So Syracuse, at one point, it made it sound like they weren't planning on rescheduling a game. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then there's a bunch of good games on today that we should talk about. UMBC at Albany, Hopkins at Ohio State, Drexel at Delaware, Notre Dame at Duke, Virginia at North Carolina, and there will be a bunch of others that we'll talk about from the scores. Before I get into all of that stuff, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com. And you can support us, um, you know, that way. You can go get swag, T-shirts, hats. We've got hoodies. we got all sorts of crap. So best way to support us. Otherwise, though, just like and subscribe and share the crap out of this show. Let's get more people on board with watching. We've done a great job in growing the audio version of the podcast as well. These live streams, they do okay. I just do them mostly because I get bored, and it's something for me to do on a Saturday morning while the rest of my family is going through their normal morning routine. But let's not waste any more time. Let's start talking about, uh, and and obviously, for anyone who's watching, uh, you can uh, hit me up with questions and things like that. And in between segments, we'll we'll, uh, answer questions as you guys always send them. I I know the usuals are going to be here chiming in any minute now here. So let us talk about Hofstra UMass. What a game. I watched this out on the back porch. I was uh, cooking burgers, drinking beer. Seemed UMass had control. About the time my burgers were halfway done, uh, I was like, oh, man, U- UMass is going to win this game maybe by a margin. Maybe this is kind of where Hofstra proves that they're not really where they need to be. And then Ryan Tierney happened. Uh, Jeff Trainer he scored with 5-13 left in the second quarter. My, quarter. my burgers were about halfway done at that point, as I said. That gave UMass an 8-4 to lead, and it looked like UMass might pull away. They just They had all the swag at that point. Tierney, though, he then scores two unanswered. Uh, to end the half to get things back to reasonable again, but he ended up scoring three unanswered goals once you get into the second half, and then that that um, that was part of Hofstra's 5-0 swing, where he ends up scoring three un- 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 unanswered goals and then assisted two others over a five-goal swing, so Hofstra goes from down 8-4 to being ahead 9-8 to off of those five points by Tierney, where he scored them, you know, they had those points back to back to back to back to back to back. Did I say too many to backs? I'm not sure. And then UMass, they were able to make it, you know, they were able to score, get two back, take the lead back again. Tierney then uh, assists yet another goal 
to give Hofstra or to tie things back up again. And then Hofstra scored a couple more goals and it's the ball game. So at the end of it though, uh, with 34 seconds left, UMass was able to score a goal to get back within one Hofstra then won the ensuing fate. We had kind of a weird scramble the last 30 seconds of this game where Hofstra wins the face off tyranny turns it over in some frantic play. Hofstra then gets two penalties with 16 seconds left, a, a, a unsportsmanlike and a hold, I think. And UMass gets a quick shot off. That shot goes high. In the ensuing scrum, Hofstra picks up another penalty, and then UMass trying to force something towards the end. It ends up, you know, one goal game. That's the ball game. Five ticks left, I think, was about when they forced the crease. And uh, ball game, Hofstra wins. But the moral of the story here is Tierney is playing some solid-ass lacrosse at this stage. And I don't know that any player has put their team on their backs in the way that Tierney has thus far. 19-18 loss to St. John's in their season opener. He goes for eight goals and three helpers, including three goals and a helper over the fourth period that kept Hofstra kind of in that game right down to the end. They lost that game, but he put up eight goals and three assists. I mean, what more can the guy do? 20 to 17 win over Stony Brook. Same thing. Uh, eight goals, three assists. Hoster was down by two goals going into the half and down by a goal going into the fourth. Over that second half, he had five goals and two assists, and they win that game. And then even where he doesn't have his his best game or where Hofstra doesn't play great offensively against Towson, one goal win over Towson, not his best outing. But, uh, you know, when when things get interesting and when every time Towson would kind of ring the bell and make it look like, hey, we're going to get back to within two goals or back to within one goal, tyranny factored both times, uh, either scoring a point or an assist to give them back that two-goal lead. But he had one goal and three assists over that period. So, I mean, the moral of the story, uh, this kid can – rock when you need something to happen and the chances are that when you need something to happen give him the ball and he is going to make something happen that's a true the true mark of a Twarton finalist I've been trying to sit here and figure out who are going to be the other two Twarton finalists the the last five guys there's lots of guys that end up becoming Twarton that get put on the Twarton watch list there's like 20 plus dudes that they're watching uh you know uh, for consideration for this award the mark of a guy that's going to end up being a finalist by the season's end is a guy that can put his team on his back, put up Boku points when needed, and uh, and that's the big deal here. You want you want to be one of the last five standing, and so far Tierney has played well enough to be one of the last five standing. Sadly, you end up having to pretty much make the tournament, though. So if he can get Hofstra into the tournament, he could very well end up being one of the last five standing if he keeps his pace up over their last few games. He's he's had a hell of a season thus far. In Thursday's game. Syracuse against Albany. Syracuse ends up winning this one 13-8. They played well enough. A lot of the Cuse uh, faithful, including myself, they didn't beat them by as much of a margin as I'd hoped. And when I kind of went back and watched the highlights again, and then I looked at the box score and looked at the stats, it would seem that the big the big discrepancy here for Syracuse, like the reason they didn't win this game 17 17- uh, to eight or whatever the score ended up being was partly because they shot the ball poorly. Uh, Syracuse put up 50 shots and only put 27 on cage. Albany took 30 shots and put 20 of them on cage. So Syracuse only put about half of their shots on cage. Albany put, you know, more than 60% of their shots on cage. And I think that's an, that ends up being where you have that 13, eight game. It's still a win. A win is a win is a win, but I would have liked to see Syracuse win this 15, eight, 16, eight, something like that. That would have been a more comfortable margin. It would have been more, I think, indicative of where we all think, uh, this team is at this point, but it's hard to tell, man. They've they've played really, really well 
when they've played well and they've played pretty poorly when they've played poorly. That Notre Dame loss and the Army losses, uh, they stick out as games they played poorly. You know, and, and it's just you don't know who you're going to get. Now, with the Notre Dame loss, it's easy. When you get beat up that badly at the faceoff dot, especially against a good team like Notre Dame, more often than not, you're going to lose that game. But uh, now we have UNC next, Virginia next, and then Notre Dame again. And here's my big worry and something that not a lot of people have, have talked about so far is Syracuse right now is, what are they? They're five and three. And if Syracuse loses the next, let's see here. If Syracuse loses these next three games, they're right now five and three. They lose to North Carolina, Virginia, and Notre Dame. They're now five and six, and they're not making the playoffs. If they don't replace that Utah game with a winnable game, they face for the first time in a while not making the playoffs because as far as I know, you still got to be 500 uh, or better to get into the NCAA tournament. So it's just one of those deals where I like their chances against North Carolina. I think they match up really well against North Carolina. I think they'll win the face-off battle against North Carolina, and then it ends up just being a shootout. Who can win the shootout? And I think Syracuse will have a shot in that game, especially if they play as well defensively as they did against Duke. You know, you, you lose a one-goal game, both teams score above 15, you say that wasn't a very good defensive game, but Syracuse played really good defense in that game against Duke, and offensively, despite the face-off disparities, they played really good offensively as well. So I actually like that matchup against North Carolina. I think Cuse matches up well with them, and I think they could do damage. The only worry I have with North Carolina is the off-ball stuff. Uh, North Carolina is a very good feeding team, helping team. They're great in transition, all things that Syracuse has been rough at, but but Duke is also good at all those things as well, and Syracuse still hang, hung. So kicker is, I don't like to be that pessimistic a-hole that sits here and thinks, ah, oh, man, Cuse is going to go 0-3 over the next three games and not make the tournament. I'd like to think they can win one of those games. Giddy up. They win one of these last three games. They are in the NCAA tournament hands down because they've got some quality wins. They've played a really tough schedule. The problem ends up becoming if just by chance – they lose those three games, and every single one of those games is losable. Each game, each time you sit down, it's like, eh, it's 50-50, I think. What are you going to do? You know, you, you you end up needing that last game of the year, that tune-up game. You know, pick up a game against somebody. The problem I've heard someone say is that uh, it ends up coinciding that final week there with a lot of conference tournaments and things like that. But you could either pick up someone who doesn't make their conference tournament. I know, who was it? Was it Virginia that used to play the odd man out in the Ivy League, the, the team that didn't make the Ivy League tournament or something like that at the end of the year? Uh, either way, they need another game because I'm starting to get nervous and I know that the Fire Desco crowd is going to really be calling for Desco's head if they don't make the tournament because they don't play that final game of the year, you know, that weekend of the 8th or whatnot. So that one scares me a little bit, scares me a wee bit here. All right, let's get back to this here. All right, hey, let's hit questions. We got uh, Murray Ron, greetings, Ted. Uh, just got back from a skate and looking forward to an entertaining show. Who is your upset watch of this weekend? I'll get into that. I don't really have an upset watch because really, I think mostly what we have is just a bunch of really good games that are, that we're going to talk about here, a bunch of conference matchups. So I don't have an upset alert per se, but let's see here. If I were to pick someone to upset someone with Hopkins beating uh, Ohio state count as an upset Drexel and Delaware, you could say that Drexel could be that upset alert because Delaware put it on Drexel in their last meeting. We'll talk about that one a little bit. So I don't really have an upset alert more than I have, hey, here are a bunch of really good 
uh, and you know, towards the end of the season conference games that I think everybody should watch. Uh, Dave Sweeney, will Syracuse play Hobart or Cornell now that that vacant uh, spot is left in Utah's cop-out or by Utah's cop-out? I don't know that it was a cop-out by Utah. I think they really might be having some budget issues, and you've already, you're already coming out here this many times. I want to say originally I thought Utah was going to play St. Bonnie's that same time. Like I figured maybe they were flying out. They're going to play St. Bonnie's and then Syracuse. And I have seen that St. Bonnie's has had a couple of games postponed. That was the Marist game. And maybe it's because Marist, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I would hope to see us pick up somebody. Hobart would be a possibility, although they may have a policy that they're only playing conference games. I don't know if that's a, a full conference thing or if that was just Hobart's thing. But uh, I, they got to pick up somebody, man. And I, you know, you have a couple of teams in New York you could pick up. You have, and then you have teams all over the place that might be willing to drive and, and get up here and play a play an extra game in the dome, especially somebody who doesn't make the tournament. Maybe, you know, if they're just like, hey, we didn't make our conference tournament. Let's just get one more game in here to make everybody happy. You could definitely see that. And then uh, let's see here. Stevie D. Stevie D here. Uh, how points for Pat Cav against Duke today? How many points for Pat Kavanaugh against Duke today? Looking forward to watching O'Neill continue to climb the leading goal score, uh, goal ladder for the season. I mean, Kavanaugh's crazy. I And they don't do like like Syracuse didn't really have an answer for Sowers and uh, Duke didn't even have an answer for Rafis. Uh, Duke does not have an answer for Kavanaugh. Duke's answer for Kavanaugh is going to be to try to make sure he's three and three and not three and eight or two and eight or something like that. So from an off ball perspective, I think Duke will do a better job than most at controlling Kavanaugh's assist numbers. But I think that where you do that, Kavanaugh may end up stinging you with some goals. I'm thinking a reasonable output for Kavanaugh today is three and four. I think sounds sounds fair. Maybe four and three, something like that. I think a seven goal output for Kavanaugh is pretty re- reasonable. Now, the other thing is Kavanaugh. I've been talking about who who should be the other guy up there for that Twarton that that top five Twarton. Um, uh, finalist uh, spot if Kavanaugh keeps his pace up and Notre Dame plays as well as they've been playing Kavanaugh very well could end up being uh, that fifth fourth or fifth um, pull for that that Twarton finalist spot because he has been playing incredible across early on when he was putting up big numbers you're like eh, he's playing a weaker schedule a non-conference schedule at that point but those nine points against Syracuse huge in a huge win so do that against Duke in a close game do that against Duke and win, then that kid, he, for the rest of the year, I will be talking about him in the, in that light, which is crazy because I didn't think, I coming into it, I knew Kavanaugh was going to be a solid player for Notre Dame. I didn't know he was going to start tearing it up last year and then continue to tear it up into this year. I didn't know he was going to be this good already just because he wasn't that highly touted of a recruit, I didn't think anyway. So I'm a big Kavanaugh fan so far, though, and I hate saying that because you know he plays for Notre Dame, not Syracuse. Uh, Wendell, uh, Carolina played good D against Duke as well. Yes. Carolina, Carolina's capable on, at all areas of the field. Carolina's problem is defensively in terms of their defensive efficiency. They're not that great. So it, the, the, the name of the game against Carolina is win the possession battle. You've got a good chance of winning the game because you can wear that defense down. So that's why I like Cuse in a matchup against Carolina, because I think Cuse can win enough of those possessions. Cuse's offense in terms of their efficiency, you give them possessions, they score points. So that's another reason I like them in that I'm waxing, you know, just going crazy here. Cuse fanboy of course um 
Wyatt Raised by Wolves. I always love that name of yours when I read it. Speaking of Delaware, how about those yellow jerseys? Sick unis. Yeah, Delaware, I just like the blue and gold. I'm partial to the blue and gold. I never wore blue and gold as a player, but I always thought that was a good look. So I think Delaware has played some pretty dope, uh, has wore some pretty dope gear over the years. And uh, 31A Rob, Ted, I'm not worried about Notre Dame if Duke meets them in the NCAAs. But since we play them twice in two weeks, would a loss to them or UVA be a good thing heading into the stretch run? I'm going to talk about that. Actually, let's just skip ahead here. That is something I want to talk about anyway, because I saw something in Inside Lacrosse where I forget who it was. Maybe it was Foy had talked about the Duke staff, you know, looking at maybe this is the game we need to lose. So I hear a lot of guys saying that. Is this the game that the the Duke coaches are looking to lose or hoping that they get a loss and uh, that's going to be kind of their wake-up call and that thing that's going to bring the team together even more. I say get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. If you are a coach, you do not ever want to lose a game. Every single game that you sit down to play, you want to win that game. That means you do, in fact, want to go to the playoffs undefeated. You want to make it to the playoffs undefeated. You want to get through the playoffs undefeated. Every single coach wants to win every single game all year long. Now, I caveat that with... Where you do end up losing a game, it is easy to look back on that game in hindsight and say, hey, that loss actually helped us. Now, I don't know if that's true all the time. I think humans in general, we're just trying to find patterns in things. So let's say you're 9-0, and you lose that, that, that one game. You're now 9-1 and heading into the playoffs. A lot of times Duke and, and various ACC teams would do really well during the regular season, and then you lose a tough one in your conference tournament or something like that. You could absolutely take that loss and turn it into a positive. Lo- losing does make guys hungry, but to pretend at this level that these guys aren't hungry going into every game, that these guys don't want to kill everyone they play every game and go undefeated, they want to go undefeated. Donowski wants to go undefeated. He does not want to lose a single game all year long. So I don't think any coach is ever sitting there thinking, well, if we lose this one, that's okay. Hell no. You aren't a good coach if that's what you're thinking. They're going into this game thinking we want to be undefeated, nothing short of that. So yeah, I think Duke wants to beat Notre Dame by 15 goals today, and then Duke wants to beat Notre Dame by 15 goals the next time they play them again. If they lose, they're going to paint this, they're going to put lipstick on the pig. You know, if they lose, that's that's going to happen, and you have to do that. You have to find the silver lining wherever you go. But uh, yeah, to pretend that, uh, not that you said that, man. I'm not trying to light you up. I'm really trying to light Foy up for implying that maybe the Duke, just the way he worded it, I didn't like. Because it was implying that maybe the Duke staff is like looking at it like, hey, we got to lose a game coming up here at some point, which is no, that's, that's moronic. Coaches want to go undefeated all the time, every year. So yeah, 31 A-Rob. I, I didn't mean to light you up. I was really lighting up all the people on Twitter that I see chirping, talking about all year. They've been talking about, hey, is this the game that they won't mind losing? It's like, man, you hate losing every time you lose. And if you don't, you are a loser. It's just how it goes. Uh, would VA beating UNC be an upset? Yes, yes. That You know what? And I want to say that. So back, we go all, Wendell, you just brought me all the way back to Murray, uh, Ron's uh, question who's the upset watch this weekend. I think that the upset watch this weekend is UVA. And the reason I think UVA has a legitimate shot against North Carolina this time around is once again, we talk about who's going to win the face-off battle. PD effing LaSala, I think is probably going to win the face-off battle for Virginia. And then you look at the way Virginia has been playing. They haven't lost. I don't think since they played North Carolina the last time. 
So, yeah, I think Virginia is going to be hungry. I think they they already played them pretty tough. Like North Carolina controlled that game for the most part. It wasn't really as close as the three-goal score indicated in that last UVA-UNC matchup. So I think that's a really good good, uh, look for an upset would be UVA could very well upset North Carolina today. But I throw that out because, once again, that was another game I was going to talk about. It's another rematch, and I think that the caveat here is – Virginia's hungry. Virginia wants revenge. Dox Aitken's playing a little bit better. PD LaSalle at the faceoff dot is an X factor. But UNC has Colin Krieg playing really well in cage. And then UNC's coming off their first loss of the year. So is UNC going to be angry, fired up, and ready to rock because they just lost to Duke, lost their first game? They wanted to go undefeated. So that's the lipstick on North Carolina's pig is the loss to Duke. And it, you know, you could, it would be a legitimate, beautiful pig if they can come back and beat Virginia by five goals or something like that. Then you could make the argument, eh, that loss to Duke may not have been a bad thing, but uh, in the moment when you lose that, that those losses are always a bad thing in my opinion. So Wendell brought it all home there. That was a good question. Um, all right. Wendell wins the t-shirt for that. Wendell gets the t-shirt. I think Wendell's bought stuff for me in the past too. So Wendell, hey man, hit me up on uh, Facebook or Twitter. You get the t-shirt this week. I haven't been giving the t-shirts out because I forget. They're over in the bin over here. So uh, because Wendell brought us full circle in that moment, he's the guy with the t-shirt. Wear it at the barbershop there, buddy. Um, All right. So other games that I kind of want to talk about today, just because there's a bunch of good games and a lot of these conference races as they're coming down to the wire. It's a lot of times you see two teams at the top of these conferences doing battle. We've seen three or four teams at the top of most of these conferences doing battle as all of them have gotten a little top heavy with their talent coming back. So uh, the America East They have been a great conference to watch with four teams competing at the top of that one. You got UMBC, Albany, Vermont, Stony Brook, all of them quality teams. And they all look poised to beat the ever-living hell out of each other leading into their finals. So we got a UMBC at Albany today, so expect that one to be a big game. I... I kind of like Albany in this one still. I feel like they played, actually, they played pretty good defensively against Syracuse, stayed on a lot of guys' hands. A lot of times when you see a team shoot poorly in terms of the number of shots versus the shots on cage, that's because defensively they're not giving up on plays. They're getting on people's hands and crap like that. I'm not sure. I didn't watch it that closely, and I was drinking beer during the game, and that tends to dull my awareness a little bit. But I did feel like Albany played a pretty good game overall. Uh, who is it, Donnelly in cage. He played pretty tough. So I actually kind of like Albany today at home against UMBC, but that one's 50-50. It could go either way. Uh, Another good one to watch here is going to be Johns Hopkins at Ohio State. And I'm not sure either of these teams really have a shot at making the NCAA tournament at this point. They're going to have to run the table for the most part. I think the big is having a tournament, so they would have to win the Big Ten tournament. But neither of them want to end up in the basement of the big either because that has recruiting ramifications that could stick with you for years after. So I feel like this is a huge game. And I feel like the winning team... They could end up with some some momentum. They could pick up a couple quality wins. They could get themselves above 500. Make the any of these teams in the Big Ten. If you're above 500, you're probably making the tournament. The problem is they, a lot of these guys are enjoying their time in the basement. It seems like so that's going to be a big game. My low key, awesome game of the week though is the one that was already mentioned. Oh man. I'm getting verklempt here. Is uh, Drexel at Delaware? Drexel's been sneaky good. And they've got wins over UMass and Towson, but they also play like Arizona trash bags at times as well. You never know which team you're going to get with them. 
So uh, Delaware beat Drexel, and I meant Drexel sometimes plays like Arizona trash bags in case I misspoke there. Uh, Delaware beat Drexel in the first matchup 19-12. to So Drexel's going to be looking for some revenge in this one, but I still like Delaware. I still probably think Delaware just in terms of how they match up. Del- Delaware's probably going to sweep them here and run the table because uh, Mike Robinson, Ty Kurtz, Charlie Kitchen, they've all been incredible for Delaware, and all three of them have 29 points or above. I think uh, it was uh, Kitchen had 29. I think Ty Kurtz is hanging in that 38 area. And then, um, no, 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 Mike Robinson, I think, was at 38. And then Ty Kurtz was somewhere like 34, 35, or some crap like that. So they got some formidable scores on that Delaware team, and they look sweet running around in their dope jerseys here. We already talked about Duke and Notre Dame. So that is good. Virginia, North Carolina. We already talked about that one. That was kind of the show here, but let's go. uh, Let's bring up the scoreboard and let's see what else we got. Hartford's at Binghamton. Who cares? I've been trying to get on the field at Binghamton so I could take some video and share that with all you guys. And here I have a Syracuse press pass. I was about to have a Cornell press pass when crap fell apart last year during um, uh, COVID. And I can't even get anyone at Binghamton to get back to me, and they're right down the road for me. So Binghamton can bite me, and I hope they lose this game against Hartford at 11 o'clock. It's literally right down the road for me. I could go. I'm not putting any time into into BU at this point. Um, Bryant and LIU are doing battle, and I talked about that one on Wednesday's show. That's going to be a hell of a game, and I want LIU to win it. I think Bryant's probably going to win it, and I think I may have picked Bryant. Uh, earlier in the week when I talked about it. But, man, LIU can play ball. They got some dudes. Let's see who who I'm talking about here. They got some dudes that score goals, and offensively they're fun to watch because they mix it up. They get going in transition. They got some dudes that can snipe. Richie LaCalandra, 24 and 20 so far this season. Blake Bellin, which is funny because I have a, you know my longtime assistant coach and one of my best friends is uh, Bellin. His last name's Bellin. Balin, as Tim Lamity would call him. Uh, 10 and 15. Jake Gillis, 14-2. and two. So, I mean, they got some guys who can score goals here. My favorite is the big boy, Will Snelders. He's 10-5 and five right now. So, uh, I'm a big fan of him just because he is a big cat running around, running midfield for LIU and scoring goals and crap like that. So, I am an LIU fan. What did they do? Did Have they met already? I don't remember how the NEC was rocking it, but uh, LIU has not played Bryant yet. It looks like they play a couple of teams twice. You know, but LIU so far, they got a win over Hobart, so that was a pretty big deal, uh, 14-12 over Hobart. So this could be anyone's game. I think Bryant will win it, but I do hope that LIU makes it interesting and or upsets it. Would that be an upset, Wendell? I'm not sure. Uh, or uh, who was it, Ron? Uh, who was the, uh, Murray? I think that that could be an upset probably. How <laughs> Wendell says he's got to cut, cut hair. Oh, wait, Wendell, they tried to – YouTube was trying to censor Wendell because he said shit, but uh, we just got that, that comment approved. Um so that's a good one. You know, Bellarmine VMI, who cares? Georgetown and Marquette doing battle. That one could be interesting. Georgetown's been playing playing well. They haven't played, they haven't kept that crazy pace up that they had going earlier in the season, but you know, Caraway's solid. Um, but you know, Marquette one and six, not looking too good. And what did Georgetown beat Marquette by the last time they played? Twenty to thirteen. So yeah, Georgetown, they're probably gonna roll in this one. Did Caraway play Against St. John's was what I was wondering. He did. All right. Five and two against St. John's. So he's back. Yeah. So Georgetown will win. Seven, ten goals is uh, probably what's going to happen there. We got Jacksonville and Air Force playing again. Is that again or is that the first time they played this year? 
First time they played this year. I hope that Jacksonville wins this one. And I don't know what you would call this one. I don't know who's favored in this, but it's probably going to be a dogfight. So that'll be a game worth watching for anybody. Uh, let's see here. Let's hit some more questions. Oh, I, yeah, Wyatt. I meant to talk about that with the with the um, Hopkins crap. Uh, Epstein didn't start last week. And I didn't end up seeing Milliman's comments after. I heard that there was some comments that had people scratching heads or whatnot. I've been saying all year, Hopkins is not going to win very many games if Epstein isn't playing at his best. And I cannot believe that Epstein – like, I expected Epstein by now – to be back to form, and I expected him to be the best player on the field almost every game they played outside of maybe against Maryland. He has not looked as good as he looked as a freshman, and I don't know what the deal is. I know he did a lot of damage off ball, spot shooting as a freshman, so you could make the argument maybe that contributed, but he fed the ball a lot as a freshman too. So, yeah, he since his injury, he has not looked like himself and just has not been down with the flow, so I don't know what the deal is there. But it, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I would much rather see a, a world in which Joey Epstein was trashing on people for Hopkins than what we've seen thus far. Um, what else we got? Rutgers at Penn State. You know, I'm not crazy excited about that game. I think Rutgers is probably going to win it in their last meeting. What did they do? Rutgers beat them 11-9. So, I mean, this is going to be a dogfight here, and Rutgers really does need to win. Penn State does really need to win. And more importantly, I think Mac O'Keefe is up for the goal record in this game. So if he, I don't know what he needed to get there, but you know, two, three goals by the sounds of it, it, it is what he needs to break that record. So that'll be worth watching for that alone. But Penn state, you know, at two and five, they need to pretty much win out here and they've got Rutgers, Michigan and Ohio state. So, I mean, if Penn state can beat Rutgers, Michigan and Ohio state over these last three games, they've already got a win over Hopkins and another win over, uh, uh, uh Ohio state. Wait, did I already say that? Hopkins and Ohio State, they'd be. Uh, yeah, so if they can end up winning out and get to 500, they may be able to make the tournament. I don't know if those wins end up being enough, but that win over Rutgers would be a really good quality win. And then Michigan and, you know, Ohio State, it's just you got to beat them. So that should be a good one as well. And it was already a good one once, but, but. It'll have to come down to uh, face-offs, I think. And I think in the end that Penn State, Arseri, has been solid. If Arseri can win 60% of the face-offs again, I think that's a close game. If he doesn't and he has a down day, I feel like probably Rutgers wins by 3-5 to five in that one. What else do we have? What else? We're almost done here. Oh, wow, there is a lot of games here, though. Oh, Loyola and Army. That's going to be a big one. And like I said, I think that the, the X factors here are uh, Schupler and Cage. He you know, makes 18 saves, which he's capable of doing. Army wins this game. And then Bailey Savio at the faceoff dot for Loyola. Get them possessions. Loyola is a very good defensive team. I think Schaefer is their keeper. He's not bad. He, he can He's capable of playing good lacrosse. So I feel like Loyola's key here. They have to win the possession battle, and then they're going to be in this game. But Nick Turn is a freak as well, so uh, he's going to do some damage. So they need to win more possessions than Army gets, and they need to blow balls by Schupler, or they're going to lose the game. It, it, it's kind of you know it's kind of obvious there. Denver Villanova. I think Denver's going to win that one. What did they do last time? Uh, because I do know they have. Oh, they haven't already played. I could have swore Denver and Villanova. Oh, they got postponed. That was why they didn't play. So, yeah, I probably like Denver in this one by three, five goals or so. It could end up being by more. Denver's playing tough now. You know, they lost those two games early to Duke and North Carolina. 
lost a close one to Duke. They got waxed by Carolina, but I think that was an anomaly more than anything else. But ever since then, I mean, they've beat Air Force by a margin, Marquette by a goal. That was a little hairy. Providence by a margin, St. John's by a margin. They beat up Georgetown 13-7. That was impressive. Providence they beat up. Marquette they beat up uh, in that second meeting with them. So, yeah. I like them against Villanova for sure, but it should be a hell of a game as well. Another Big East matchup there. What else we got? Lehigh Navy. I like Lehigh in this one. I think Lehigh is probably going to beat Navy as um, uh, somebody keeps chirping me. I forget who it is here. Whatever keeps chirping me saying Lehigh is the best team in Pennsylvania, and he is definitely right. Uh, St. John's Providence, who cares? Vermont and UMass Lowell. Uh, who cares only because Vermont's going to put it on UMass Lowell and uh, Lafayette Bucknell. Stony Brook, New Jersey Tech. Stony Brook's going to wax them, and then Wagner and Sacred Heart. So those are our games for today, and uh, that's going to be it here. I gotta, I'm got barbecuing today. Let's get to the rest of the questions. Everybody said great things about Drexel going to beat UMass, but the last couple minutes of that game, UMass score, I think, scored three times. Yes. Wendell, man, you watch a lot of lacrosse. Uh, do you specifically watch those games, or do you just watch every freaking game that you possibly can? And I don't think Wendell's here anymore because he had to go cut some hair. Uh, and then Murray Ron, I noticed that Dylan Watson is back with Georgetown and had a significant impact last game. They should be dangerous with Caraway, a one-two punch. Now, I agree. I, I was thinking Caraway didn't play in one of those games, too. But Georgetown offensively, as good as everyone says Georgetown is defensively, which is true, offensively they can hang with anyone as well. That's why early on I was really hot on Georgetown. But then they, you know, their schedule does suck really badly. They, they played the best team of the year that they had on their schedule, Denver, and they got beat handily. So I know they were battling some health issues. I know Gibson Smith, I don't think played against Denver on the defensive side for Georgetown either. And that hurts them, but you know, it doesn't matter. Just get into the tournament and then see what you do against the big boys. So Georgetown has a shot, but I'm not as hot on them. I was thinking Georgetown early on, maybe a legitimate contender, but then once they, they stopped beating teams by 15 goals, like 16-1, 15-1, whatever the hell those games were. Once they, they're, they're, they started giving up goals and not scoring quite as many, I was like, ah, all right, they're a really good lacrosse team. They can do everything well on any given day. Their problem's just been not being completely consistent overall, I think. That's my only problem. So, hey, let's kill it here. Let's. Uh, I'm going to get on with my day here. I'm going to go get my, get my burgers ready for the barbecue in the backyard. I'm going to watch the Duke-Notre Dame game while cooking burgers, sipping on ice-cold blue moons. So thank you guys for all joining in here and listening to me ramble. As always, you guys can go to laxfactor.com, get some swag, or more importantly, just share the crap out of our shows. Make sure your friends are listening and watching. No one else really does this. There's a lot of great podcasts out there. No one else really does kind of what I do sitting here where it's just all lacrosse all the time. There is no fluff and other crap. I'll ramble about my kids every once in a while, maybe about hangover, hangovers, Lyme disease, and the coronavirus, and uh, getting vaccines. I got my tiger blood. I'm two vaccines deep now, and I am starting to feel that side effect that everyone says that you might get where you grow a, a testicle. Uh, in your armpit. I've kind of got a stinky testicle growing in my armpit as a side effect of my, my uh, coronavirus vaccine. Is that going to get my, my, cancel, my channel, channel canceled on YouTube? I don't know. But uh, that's it. You guys stuck with me to listen to me talk stupid. So that is it. Hoost is out. <laughs>